On this episode of the Autumn Windbags, we tackle Hondo Carpenter's article on Derek Carr and Josh McDaniel's messy divorce. We also discuss the fallout from Chargers versus Jaguars. Yes, Brandon Staley staying as head coach. And does Tom Brady sound like he's retiring or could he still don the silver and black? And we love when you subscribe, rate, and comment on whatever platform you're listening on. All right, here we go. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the silver and black. Here are your windbags, RJ Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, it is another episode of the Autumn Windbags. RJ Clifford, Juan Soto, let's have some fun today. One day early. Uh, You're welcome. Windbags. Little, 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 not, not just uh, to tease you guys, not just to... Uh, you know, it's like you guys deserved it. Tickle, tickle the plums. Not true at all. I'll be, by the time you guys are listening to this, I will probably be on an airplane bound for Brazil. Uh, UFC 283 going down in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And uh, I will be on Brazil time or in an airplane. So, day early. Look at you guys. Super fun time. I, I have, uh, it's my fourth time in Brazil, first time in Rio. Rio is like the crown jewel. It's like, you see like those awesome shots of the beach and there's like chicks and tube tops playing volleyball and there's oh, a, that that giant Jesus statue on that beautiful mountain overlooking a bay. That's Rio de Janeiro. Like that's like the postcard city. I've been to Fortaleza, Brasilia, and Sao Paulo. Finally get to go to the crown jewel. I'm jealous. Don't be. It's a forever long flight there for two days, forever long flight back. And I get to Look. watch. I don't, I missed the playoffs on set. I'll, I'll watch like some of the morning games Saturday. They don't have to work. And I'll be watching the Sunday games like edibled out of my mind on that 11 hour flight from Rio to Atlanta and like somehow trying to be able to absorb football in my state. <laughs> you know, you know how terrible of a drug doer I am because it's dry January. Yeah. So no booze, but there's no way I'm taking those flights sober. And so just like a five milligram edible. And pfft, I'm gonna stress that's it. Like, that's all it does. That's, that's all it takes. I'm the worst drug doer ever. That's all I need. God, I lived in California like my entire life. Can I kept barely handle weed? Jesus. If you, see, if you see Victoria Matos, you gotta fucking tell her that I'm waiting. Where is she? And what's going on with my proposal? Uh, I can't do that because I know she'd fall in love with you immediately and then you'd leave this show. So I gotta I would I gotta, never I, leave you, JR. I gotta look out for my best interest. I can't quit you. Uh, real quick, speaking of uh, sexual deviance, your boy Antonio Brown. Fucking hell, dude! <laughs> I fell for it. You 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 asked me about it, and I went on Twitter and I typed Antonio Brown, and the first thing that popped up was "Do not look at Antonio Brown's Snapchat video." And I'm like, all right, now Google. I fucking look at it. Antonio Brown. And I was like, Is it I, still I, up on Snapchat. Uh, or did you find it somewhere else? I find it somewhere else. I didn't even look at a snapshot. I just found it somewhere Me else. Neither. It was terrible, dude. I was like, I saw like maybe like half a second of it. I was like, oh, all right, I've seen this one. Before. So basically, Antonio Brown put on a Snapchat a still of a girl blowing him. Like you just see a girl's face and, and about mouth. nine inches of the eleven inches of Antonio Brown. He's got a monster hog. He's got a Spanish monster dick. Man. Let's and let's. He's, He's a fucking tripod. Did you fucking see that video of him in the pool, that public yeah. pool with all the families? At he, least, 
at least this time it seems like the woman was willing and he wasn't just waving it yeah. at random strangers. You call that a fucking ankle slapper, dude. That's what you call that fucking thing. Oh, they think he could have been a raider. <laughs> Get the hell out of here with that, dude. That CT is right. kicking in way early. Yeah. Uh, question of the day. Let it snow in the comment section. What you say? It'll be pinned at the top. What's the Super Bowl matchup you're rooting for? Super wild card, not normal wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend is over. So we're down to eight teams Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, Niners, Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, Jags. What Soto Super Bowl matchup are you rooting for? Because we know that we have a lot of power to make the Super Bowl matchup that we want using just our mind control ability and our, and our will, our will to create. We have that power. I really want the, um, was it the 1990 or 89-90, something like that, matchup, the re, the the part du, if you will, Bills and Giants. Okay. And I want to have the freaking Bills miss another field goal at the end to lose it. <laughs> so sweet. You just want to see the Bills lose to either the Giants or the Cowboys in the Super Bowl for tradition. Just for tradition. Just, for, just tradition. Yeah. Uh, I want Bengals in the Super Bowl exclusively because I think they have the best chance to beat the Chiefs, and I just don't want the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That's kind of where I'm at. On the NFC side, I'm I'm kind of like I'm kind of loving this Brock Purdy thing that's going on with the Niners. I'm kind of on board for a, like a Mister Irrelevant becoming a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yeah, that's just too fun. And also, like, I, I can't, I, the Cowboys, but I can't have them in the Super Bowl. Eagles and Giants. I got a lot of buddies that are Giants fans. Nothing against the Giants, but it's like, yeah. You got, you got two Super Bowls with Eli Manning you didn't deserve. I feel like that's, you got, you've had enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Give me, give me, give me Niners, Bengals. Give me that. Niners, Bengals. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Like, like, talk about two opposite quarterbacks and number one overall and the last overall. In the Super Bowl. That's just too cool. Good story. Yeah. I'm a sucker for a good story. You know what I mean? Like Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like a novel. It was a beginning, middle, and ends. Friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. God damn. You got a sword fight and everything. What's the Super Bowl matchup you're rooting for? Down in the comment section. Very curious what all y'all say. All right. Uh, let's do a good old-fashioned... RJ versus Soto, Josh McDaniels versus Derek Carr Slugfest. I'm not going to get into it like let's that. Let's get in the let's, phone booth. Let's, let's get in the have, phone booth, Soto. You and let, me. Let's, let's have up. a civil conversation. Let's glove up, put on some brass knuckles. Let's have a power slap. Let's no, have Dana no, White's no. power slap right now. We both stand there. No defense allowed. No dodging. No blocking. Who's, who's the chick in this one? Who's, who's his wife? Who plays no, his no, wife? No, I'm talking about... <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about a fair fight here. Power slap league. You've seen his league. Yeah, that was that, that wasn't a fucking fair but, fight. His fucking chick was whooping his ass. Right. She came back uh, for more. No, no defense. Uh so Hondo Carpenter of uh Fan Nation, Everywhere. He's everywhere. He's illustrated. Yeah. Uh did a very long article in a very Hondo Carpenter way. Like he doesn't write stories, he just has bullet points. <laughs> and he did like 800 bullet points. It's like That's a lot. True journalists uh, and like writers, like it makes them want to barf. But I, I kind of dig it for these purposes. I think Hondo's like, all right, I know I'm not 
it's a map so of the much information, dude. Let's it's so much information. Bullet points instead of like telling a story. Let's just imagine trying to weave all that down. together, dude. It's it's just so much info. It's yeah. just a, a info dump is what it was. That's what every other writer in the world does. And Hondo's like, nah, I ain't doing that shit. Here's just like my notes. No, here's okay. my notes, and it's I respect that. Um one big thing before we we go on to it, because this has caused a lot of waves in Raider Nation. Um and, and rightfully so. Like there's there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack, there's a lot to get to. Before yeah. we get into it, there's something to understand about media in general, sports media specifically, and Hondo Carpenter exactly. And this isn't a knock on Hondo Carpenter, but Hondo Carpenter writes what he's told to write from the Raiders. He's essentially taking dictation. He, he has never written anything negative about an active or currently employed owner, coach, player, assistant, janitor, secretary, president, VP, you name it, right? He is a part of the PR wing of the Raiders, okay? And I'm, and I'm saying that not as a knock on him, you get a lot of stuff out of it, right? The Raiders organization say, all right, we've got some stuff we want out there. Let's go to Hondo, right? Let's go to Hondo Carpenter. He's the guy we trust. We want him to deliver our message for us. And so we get a lot of stuff that way. Um, that's the reason why he gets a lot of breaking news stuff. And that's not wrong as long as you understand that's who he is. As long as you, you, you watch it through that prism, you're like, oh, okay, I know why this is coming to me. And I'm not saying anything he's writing in the story is incorrect. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying like, oh, clearly it's false because no, I'm not opposite. I, I, I have no reason to believe that what he's saying isn't true. Yeah, there's but, too many quote, there's too many quoted sources for him to be just blatantly lying the entire time. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he's lying, but I am saying that he purposefully takes out context. For instance, with all the things that were said, if one of his sources or someone he talked to said Josh McDaniels lost this locker room. I mean, there's a reason why the play was was sucky. There's a reason why players played terrible. He just lost this locker room and no one to play for him. He would never print that as long as Josh McDaniels was coach. He went because that's who butters his bread, right? So it's important to have that level of context when you're reading these stories. Uh, the other funny part of this is, is that uh, Vinny Bossignori, Las Vegas Jesus, Vinny tweeted this. Fucking terrible, man. As, as like, Literally, as this story is out and everyone's talking about it, Vinny tweets, fair warning, be careful who you rely on for news. Which is really chicken shit to not call out somebody by name. It's it's That's really chicken shit. Either keep it to yourself or say, Hondo's full of shit. Or add some context to this. Like, this is really chicken shit. This is like insecure tween girl fucking... That girl crossed the bike I know class something y'all don't know. Yeah, that's just, like, come on, man. Like, I understand that you don't want to totally shit all over you where you eat. They just mm -hmm. don't say anything at all. Or just yeah. fucking sack them and say, dude, Hondo's, you got, Hondo's fucking story is missing context in these ways. Bang, bang, bang. Yep. Not saying he's like, just like, exactly what you said. Not saying he's lying, but we are missing context. Just be, just, just be aware of that. That's all you had to say. Then you and Hondo fucking hash it out behind the scenes. And then we put it on pay-per-view. Big fucking deal. But don't be doing this shit, man. Come on. There's nothing less interesting to me than media beefs because the stakes are so low. 
Like if Vinny and Hondo, like what's the best case scenario if these two guys beefed? They're mean to each other on Twitter. Fucking fist fight. Like, like they're, they're not going to fight. They're media guys. Like they're do this. Laptops for 12 hours. Media Throw guys, a couple of drinks in them. You never know. When have we ever seen media dudes fight? Like they're, they, it just never happens. Right. So that's, I will like look for the, the, I will look for the video, but two media guys did fight during a Mike Tyson press conference. It was fucking hilarious. And I'll see if I can find it. So basically, we have to go back to like 1990 at a Mike Tyson's press. It was like 1991 or something like last that. Last yeah, we can like think that. of like media guys fighting each other, right? And and this is the funny other funny funny part of this is Vinny is similar to Hondo. Like, yeah, I I don't get that. It's, Vinny's it's the, in the same boat. Vinny is the guy that never talked, never will never say anything bad about the Raiders organization because that's where he gets his sources and they trust him to be one of those guys. That's why the people we have on this show are like Vic Tafer. Adam uh Hill. Adam Hill because those guys aren't those guys are the hardcore journalists and they're the ones that like break stuff they're the ones that say things award-winning journalists by the way I don't know if we need to get Adam Hill on for a third time and congratulate his congratulations ass. congratulations Adam, Adam Hill, Adam Hill. I don't know tell. how that award's given out but I I don't know if it was given to him like how that happens but it went to a a, a, a true journalist right yeah and again I'm not saying Adam and Vic are better than Vinny and Hondo, I'm saying there's different levels, different forms of media, right? You're not going to motiv get different motivations. There's different motivations at the end of the day. This guy yeah. is like, I I'm going to make this team happy or this entity happy because they give me info. The other guys are, I'm going to report what I know and what I've heard and what I've seen. And that's why they're not. That's why the Raiders don't hand out to Vic or Adam. You know, hey, we want you to say this because that's not their guys. That's also why we get less news but generally more honest news and certainly news that the Raiders don't want out there from guys like Vic and Adam again not talking shit about any of them I'm just saying they I've, been media, I've been in media 15 years like th this is how it works and this is how you extrapolate where you're coming from and as long as you are an educated you know viewer of the media you and you know how it works then you can get good information from it right so had to bring that to add context before we go into this. Okay. Yeah. Basically the long and short of Hondo Carpenter's article. And I, and I recommend you read it when you get a chance. It's, uh, give yourself some time. It's long. It broke down the relationship between Derek Carr, Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. Um, there's a lot of good stuff about how Bisaccia and how the, you know, players wanted him. We kind of knew that. Um, there was stuff about Derek Carr's relationship with John Gruden, how they liked each other and it worked. We knew, kind of already knew that. And we kind of already knew the bulk of what was written here, but he mm -hmm. did go into a little bit more depth. Yeah. The things I took away was Hondo talking about how Derek Carr didn't handle the way Josh McDaniels went about his business. Didn't like the how film sessions were handled. Didn't like how the uh, the hammers came down verbally. Uh, Hondo's claiming that that was the part of the rift that happened, and that's what caused Derek Carr's play to plummet. Right, like this is his second worst season of his career. It's the worst season he's had since his rookie year. Right, yeah. and Carr's been through some shit. Right, he's no stranger to new coaches, hard coaches, easy coaches, uh, motherfucker coaches, like. This is his sixth head coach, right? And he's he's seen it all. But this is the time where Carr's play was the worst since his rookie year. And the reason that Hondo 
and his sources are telling him that's why it was was because he couldn't handle this the the under the hammer coaching of Josh McDaniels. Would you agree that was probably like the main take of the thing? The main gist of it, yeah, was the the main thing was how and why the marriage between McDaniels and Carr didn't work. Mm-hmm. That was the main gist of this whole thing. It was kind of like giving context to each side from different angles, different perspectives. And that was basically how and why it eroded to the point where it is now. Yeah. So a few things on that one. And we've had this conversation multiple times. Um, Cars play fell off this year, but so did every single player on the Raiders minus basically Devonte Adams, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, fucking superstars, gods among men that nothing's going to stop them. They're that badass of players. Thank God they're Raiders. Thank God two of them have Raiders tattoos. The other 50 players, including Derek Carr, basically all played worse this season. And this is where the context matters. Like I'm, I'm believing what Hondo said. Derek mm-hmm. Carr didn't handle it well. Um, for whatever reason, Josh McDaniels broke Derek Carr, right? Now, is that Derek Carr's fault? Sure. Is that Josh McDaniels' fault? Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. As a coach, you need to adjust to help the most important player on your team, give him what he needs. As a quarterback, you need to be able to handle how your coach does business and make adjustments. Right. So part of me is like, yeah, well, Derek Carr played worse under Josh McDaniels, and that's on him. The other part is Derek has been, this is a sixth head coach for Derek Carr, and this has never happened. Like he's had some on and off years, but just shutting down. Hondo was talking about how Derek, like, emotionally put a wall up disconnected yeah disconnected different guy in the locker room we've never seen that right that's like for all the goods and bads of Derek Carr being the great locker room guy has always been the constant that's been like even the people who like the biggest critics of Carr like the guy's been good in the locker room Mm -hmm. the fact that Josh McDaniels finally broke Carr is something that I would have wanted more context on it's like okay well why why did Derek Carr not be able to drive with Josh McDaniels. Why did Josh McDaniels not be able to do- drive with Derek Carr? I, I, I would chalk it up to simply personality differences. And it was a marriage that like two good people you hear all the time, right? Like, Oh, my friends are getting divorced. Oh, what happened? Nothing. I mean, neither one of them are bad people. They just didn't work together. Right. It didn't work out. It didn't work out. Sometimes, They're, sometimes one of them's a motherfucker, one. you know, yeah. sometimes one of, them, one of them's a motherfucker. Sometimes it just didn't work. We have friends mm-hmm. that have split up and we're still cool with either side. And it's like, dude, they're still cool people. It's just together for whatever, for whatever reason they grew apart and that was it. And and that's why the biggest reason why I'm, I'm all, you know, it's, it's inevitable that Derek Carr has to leave the Raiders because McDaniels isn't going anywhere after one season. Derek Carr's contract makes it easy to get rid of him after this season. And those two won't be able to work together. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like if you're both like working in the same department, it's like, all right, who makes the most money? Who's most important to the department? You're staying. The other one gets transferred. Just, yep. The department department's more important than your guys' squabble. Right. So we're going to move yeah. on. Okay. Um, the other part of the context that I wanted is I wonder how other players felt about Josh McDaniels coaching, because like I said, 50 of the 53 players played worse this season than they did previously. So while I understand the focus is on Derek Carr, he's the one that's gone. I understand he's the most important player. You can tell that this article, the motivation of the people that were feeding Hondo was okay. 
we don't want to shit on Derek Carr, but we want to make sure management looks as good as possible. Derek Carr couldn't handle it. It was rough. That's why he left. That's the part that I want more of. Mm -hmm. I want to hear from the other 49 players on the team that played like shit this season. And are they saying, oh yeah, Josh McDaniels was great. I just underperformed for some reason. Or is there something going on here? Because more important than what they say is the results. Last season, our team played way better for how good we were. We we overplayed our talent last season. And we won 10 games, went to the playoffs, right? This season, we underplayed our talent. Only won six games, blew five halftime leads of 10 points. Like, exactly the opposite. I want to know what happened. More important than Derek Carr's feelings, I want to know what the fuck happened so we can fix it for next season. That's what I care about. And I'm and that's the type of story we're not going to get from Hondo because it takes some real in-depth soul searching and some people are probably going to get blamed that don't want to get blamed. Yeah, we're not going to get that story for a while until somebody fucking retires and writes a book. We're not going to get that story for a while. So, as far as McDaniel's goes, this is how it was this is how it was posed to me a long time ago. It's about it's not always what you say, but how you say it and and also how it's received. Because you can tell somebody something and you can you can be a certain way with certain people and it'll be received just fine, right? Yeah. It's about how it's received. So how it was posed to me was you can cook two steaks, same one, same size, cook them the same way. You can serve one on a plate and you can serve the other on the underside of a trash can lid. Well, like, which one do you want to which one do you want to eat? Right. Yeah. It's about the presentation and how that presentation is received. That's where I think the disconnect was. Mm. I from from reading this. I just feel like uh, one of the things that really like stood out to me wasn't like the main things that you're going to think of, right? It was how over time it was reported that Carr was losing trust because of how he was being coached. And on the other side of that same coin, it's Josh McDaniels talking about not taking this stuff personally because it's not personal. This is about football and it, it, he hopes it doesn't affect the personal relationship because he's seen people that he's been fired by people that he's fired people that he's worked with that's been fired but they're still able to have a good communication because hey it's not personal this is just football and i think that was the kind of like the story underneath the story um now why that is who knows i have some theories and i know some people who have been in similar situations on both sides and we can get into that later but that's that's what i took mostly from is just a difference in philosophy and also a difference in what they're used to, because it does seem by the story, it does seem, and maybe I might be reaching, I don't know. It does seem like maybe Derek Carr was maybe coddled a little bit and not, not confronted about his play at times in front of, in front of the entire team. Mm -hmm. Whereas Joshua Downs is like, I don't care who you are. If you're fucking up, I'm going to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you any harsher than I tell anybody else. If you're a coach, if you're a player, if you're a water boy, if you're anybody, you're any, everybody's susceptible to getting this. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be personal. It's going to be fair criticism. And I'm going to show you in front of So it's, it's not like he's going to tell you that you've been shitty and he's not going to show you why. Or he's not going to tell you that you played shitty in front of the whole team and he's not going to show you why. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's fair, but is it necessarily the right way to do it? I don't necessarily think it's, it's, it's an issue of right and wrong. I think it's just not a connection as far as personality wise. 
and that's what and and that's what sticks to my craw the most about situation. And this is probably my my I guess the biggest defensive car in the situation. This is his sixth head coach, and it's never been a problem, right? And he's had some really bad head coaches. He's had some really hard headed coaches. He's had some like John Gruden was never wrong, ever, right? Like his ego would never let you be wrong, right? He's it's always his way, no matter what, right? And Derek Carr handled that. There was something extra unique in the Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr situation that he'd never seen before. Like Derek, if, if any court active quarterback in the NFL has seen it all head coaching wise, it's Derek Carr, right? Yeah. It's been a fucking mess up there. And Josh I thought about that. And, and my fear Soto. And again, yeah, car's gone, right? Cars. I, 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 I know you, you, you know how I feel about that. I can't say that until he's actually gone. I don't celebrate until it's triple zeros, man. He'll never wear. So I'm not saying you're wrong. Right? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I can't. I can't say that until he actually is. My my fear was my original fear when we hired Josh McDaniels is got the offensive mind. Clearly, we know what he's capable of, but he didn't know how to coach men in Denver, and we were hoping. All right, he's got ten years. He verbally said that was the problem, which is the first step. He acknowledged, like, yeah, like I I did not coach men very well. I've taken it very seriously. I've had 10 years to get better at it. And that was where my cautious optimism came from was, okay, he's, if he sounds like a guy who knows what he did wrong and is going to make that adjustment, this story tells me that he hasn't, that he can't get out of men what true leaders of men have done. And this isn't the end of the world. It's one season, but this is what I was deathly afraid of when he got hired at the beginning of last year was, will he, will he be able to communicate with football players the way great head coaches have in the past? Uh, so there's, there's, there's the, there's the two sides of that, right? There's the whole if, and we're going to talk about the if, mm -hmm. if that's the case and the stuff about car, maybe, because the one thing that you said that really stood out to me was he's had some bad coaches, right? I've had bad coaches. I've had people that have been bad people to work for and work with. And normally the big thing with them is they're inconsistent mm -hmm. and um, they play favorites and, and stuff like that. It's like, that's tough to get people rallied around you consistently when you don't treat everyone with the same level of respect. So I was like, you're jerking off the wrong bosses. Soto. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, he's had bad coaches that haven't coached him this way. That's why they're bad coaches, yeah. right? Um, John Gruden was always right, but he's buddy-buddy with you, right? Mm -hmm. And we've all heard about John Gruden talking shit behind you, being your best friend to your face and talking shit behind your back. Mm -hmm. The thing with, again, it's about presentation. I'm not saying that John Gruden didn't rip into Derek Carr, but he didn't do it in front of the team, mm -hmm. Right. And and that's and that's what we've heard that he 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 did rip into car, but always behind closed doors. It was never in front of the team. And I think that is what was the issue with Carr more than the coaching was how it was done. And ultimately, I've I've been around the youngest and most talented athlete from a family, right? The one who was always playing with the bigger and older kids and older brothers and all that. I've been around that guy. And almost to a person, they're difficult to deal with in different ways. Mm -hmm. 
it may be, and I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but it sounds like what I've dealt with in the past, that maybe Derek Carr has been told that he's the best his whole entire life. And now that he's being admonished in front of the people he's supposed to be leading, it hurt him a little bit. Just like Lincoln Kennedy said, he, he can be immature at times and he sulks a lot when people tell him things he doesn't like. Mm. So I, I've, I've experienced that with people that I've played with, with people that I've coached and how they are when they get criticism that they're not used to, either the criticism itself or how it's delivered or where it's delivered in front of who it's delivered. So that that's where I made that connection. I'm like, again, I'm not saying that's what happened or that's what didn't happen, but I draw from experience when I hear stories like this. And that and that's, again, I just bring it all back to like he's – it's it, one of two things even happened, right? Either – other thing too could have been just like a cumulative effect where cars like fuck nine years now, like, and it finally broke him. Like the Raiders organization has just been so disheveled since I'm he's sure been that there. Was a, that was a big that part of it. Yeah. He's finally like fucking Christ, man, I can't catch a break. Like I get another coach and he's just reaming me constantly. I will after say this like though. Five straight coaches that didn't do shit. I will say this though. Maybe it would have been a lot different for Derek Carr had he had a coach, either Josh McDaniels or Josh McDaniels-like from the very beginning. I think mm -hmm. what happened was he was used to that kind of kid glove handling, kind of let's let's help, you know, take care of him and speak to him a certain way type of thing. Whereas he didn't get this from the very beginning. So, you I know, it's a little bit tougher. He's been coddled by Jack Del Rio, by John Gruden, by like, I just, it just doesn't feel like those coaches style to coddle him at all. I mean, it, it could, I mean, John Gruden. Maybe, yes. I think you're wrong on that. John Gruden. Yes. I can definitely see that happening with John. Gruden. Definitely not Jack Del Rio. We've seen him blow up on Derek Carr before. Like he did it on sidelines and shit, right? Like that wasn't, he's been blown up on. So it's, so it's either like, it's either a cumulative thing or, and, and, and again, like pressure just things to people, man. Pressure just things. It's he, a he, 50, 50 split, man. Oh, like, I agree. Carr, Carr cannot be letting can't be letting shit get into his feelings. And Josh McDaniels has to realize like this guy's seen it all, and yet what I'm doing is breaking him. Like I need to make an adjustment. And Carr needs yeah. to be like, fuck, dude, it's not personal. Like, this, you're like, yeah, you're playing poorly. Get better, right? Yeah. It's and, and again, I think so. There's, the end the, it, yeah. the, there's there's two sides to each one of those sides, right? So let's cut those in quarters. So the car side is, yeah, I need to you know, maybe toughen up and separate the football from the personal because he had from, from him saying a perfect situation, a guy that he trusted, a guy that he liked, a guy that he looked up to as his coach. Now this, this guy, you know, he doesn't really have that trust. He's, he's losing that trust a little bit. So on one side of that, on the car coin on one side, yes, he doesn't toughen up a little bit on the other side. Yeah, he, he was, he did get somebody who was ripped away from him that he liked very much. And it is up to the coach to notice that disengagement right mm -hmm. now on the, on, on the Joshua Daniels side of that coin, he's been there. He's done that. He knows what it takes to win from an organizational standpoint. And, you know, I'll say it again. The standard is the standard. That sounds a lot like a newer version of commitment to excellence, right? Yeah. Like this is my standard. I'm going to hold you to this standard regardless, but I'm going to hold everybody in this building to that same standard. So don't 
feel like I'm singling you out. You have the ball in your hands more often than not. That's why you get more of this. But the thing is, is if you were to play better, I wouldn't shit on you as much, right? Yeah. On the flip side of that is, again, the presentation. It's not always what you say, how you say it, and where you say it. So both sides have a yes and no in that yes and no. You know what I'm saying? And then pulling out of the – two more things on this. Um, pulling out of the Josh McDaniels-Derek Carr thing for a minute because that's the goal of this article is to be like, this is what went wrong. Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr, no one's right. No one's wrong. It was a relationship that didn't work, and he had to move on. Right? That's the goal of this article. But the other part of this is clearly what Josh McDaniels do it was doing. Yeah, it didn't work with Derek Carr, but didn't work with 90% of the roster either too, right? They won six games after winning 10 last season, blew six halftime leads of, of 10 points or more. Everyone played worse than they did last season, minus a couple, minus a handful of superstars. That's the other part of this. I think that's trying to distract from that bigger issue as well is mm -hmm. whatever Josh McDaniels did that didn't work with Derek Carr. It didn't work with the other 49 guys on that squad either, outside of Jacobs, Crosby, and Devontae, who played like fucking beasts, thank God they're Raiders. And that, to me, is the biggest issue, right? Because mm -hmm. I know, Carr's not gone yet in your mind, but for all <laughs> intents and purposes, it's a non-issue anymore. I can't right? say I it. Until he is. <laughs> but next season, that's more what I'm worried about, is those other 49 guys, did Josh McDaniels learn what went wrong this season? I'm hoping that Josh McDaniels did, and this, you know, kind of media push, it was like, all right, let's let's paint Derek as kind of the scapegoat a little bit. But internally, he said something didn't work this season. Yeah, mm -hmm. not car, but a lot of other stuff didn't work too, right? Mm -hmm. Are we looking internally and fixing that? Or are we are we comfortable with being like, well, got rid of car, we're fine now? Yeah. Well, here's the thing again. I'm trying to be as objective as possible here. And it sounds like a lot of the people who were backing the style of Josh McDaniels were Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, and Devontae Adams. He kept yeah. saying a, a very close friend, a longtime teammate. It worked for them. A very close right. yeah, And that's sure the thing is. It worked for them. Yeah. And the thing is, is you can't tell me that Max, Josh, and, and, and Devontae were perfect. So they got it in front of everybody, just like everyone else did when they fuck up. So no one, yeah. none of these guys are perfect, right? So I think if you have the three best players on your team, which they're going to be the three best players on the team, you know, hopefully, you know, we we work something out with Josh Jacobs or whatever, right? Let's just say that uh, go into that assumption, okay? He's getting franchise tag. I mean, that's that's, that's what I'm saying. We we don't know, but let's go into that assumption. Those three guys are here next year. The other guys come in. You have those three leaders on your team saying, "Hey, I know it's tough." but it's going to make you better, suck it up. Embrace As opposed it. to the leader of your team, maybe not, you can see him not embracing it as much mm -hmm. because you can see it getting to him. You can you can see him withdrawing. You can, instead of that happening, you see the guys that are on the team like, hey, man, fucking suck it up. This, this is big boy ball now. We're not playing this bullshit. It's Super Bowl championship or nothing. We're not going to be okay with being a playoff contender. We're not going to be okay with being a Super Bowl contender. We're going to be okay with winning Super Bowls. That's that's the that's the standard here, and that's the difference. So if you don't want to win a Super Bowl, then you can go somewhere else. But this is what we want to do here. This is how he's going to coach us to do it because every time we make a mistake, every time we loaf it, every time that we smail it in on any play whatsoever, we're going to hear about it. So don't let that happen. And, and that's, that's the flip side of, you know, again, it sounds like, 
Josh McDaniels does need to work on his delivery a little bit, but the message does seem like it is sound because it, it I, we don't know for sure because he didn't say any names, but it really does sure sound like those three guys were three of the main guys that he talked to that were backing the style of Josh McDaniels. Uh, like on paper, like that's what I want out of my coach, right? Like that on paper, that's what I want, but the results aren't there. That's, that's, that's the problem, right? Like the message sounds great to me. Like no room for error, attention to detail, long sessions, outwork everybody. You're your biggest opponent. Don't fairness play is down a big one too. Fairness, fairness is a big one too. It just didn't work this season, right? And Again, so if, some, if, if, gonna... if your if your leader's kind of getting affected by it, yeah. that does affect. And I don't, I'm not trying to blame Carr for this because that's who he is as a person. I'm making it personal against him, but we know that something happened with him. And it, it just seems like Josh McDaniels has a style that's good for stars, right? Like. No one's going to outwork Max Crosby. No one's going to outwork Josh Jacobs. No one's going to outwork Devontae Adams. We all, we all kind of heard when, no one would outwork Derek Carr either, but the 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 thick skin of those three superstars, it's like they fuel off something like Josh McDaniels. It's the rank and file guys, right? Well, the backup linebacker, the, the guard, like those guys just simply weren't responding to Josh McDaniels. And so it's either... Josh needs to understand that and change or the superstar that you mentioned, look how hard we're working. We're embracing it. Follow our lead. Boss up motherfuckers. Something like that needs to happen to get the other 45 to 48 guys on the roster that support the superstars that are reacting to Josh McDaniels positively. How often did a Patriots player leave new England? That wasn't a superstar, right? Mm -hmm. That was just a good player, right? Now, we're not talking about the Gronks and the Brady's and all those guys, right? And fucking balled out just as good or even better. You really didn't see it, right? You saw, like, well, how are they getting all this out of all these guys? This is how. You yeah. don't give them any wiggle room. You don't give them an escape, right? It's like you're in a fight and you're being mounted and if you're freaking getting pounded on, right? Most guys, most people, right, most sane people in this world are going to look for a way out. If some guy's sitting on their chest, and get, they're getting beat the shit beat out of them, but it's that certain few that can find a way to make it ha make what you have to do happen, yeah. even under this barrage. Make it happen, and those are the types of people and those are the types of players and the mentalities that they're looking for because they know that if you look at yourself as your your toughest opponent, you're going to be consistent, you're going to play hard, and you're not going to make these silly mistakes that even the best players on other teams do more often than you do even though you're not a great player. And it's up to, to Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler to either A, get those types of guys, or B, adjust their style to the guys they have, right? Because whatever they did this season... Oh, they ain't going to adjust. One I'm of the, telling you. Well, then they got to get the guys that are that, that are going to adjust to them. That's probably going to be the this thing. Shit, this shit can't happen this season. Yeah. They just, well, they know that too. There's no way they, apart. Like, they're not gonna they're not gonna survive another fucking six, seven win season, dude. Like even an eight win season, you got, you got to be in the playoffs next year. Uh, or, or or have some horrific run of injuries, Kevin forbid, uh, to even sniff a third season. You, you, Mark Davis ain't gonna fucking put up with that shit. The other, the, the last part of this that uh, kind of made my eyebrows raise a little bit. Um, three times in this article, Hondo mentioned how people mentioned that the first Kansas City game was the best game they'd played, and that's what let them know what they're capable of. Which sounds fucking nuts to me. They lost that game and blew a 17-point lead. And they're like, oh, yeah. 
That's that was our best game. We executed well. Mike, the 17 point lead you just blew is the game you're most proud of. What? I'm not seeing it. I, that should be the most embarrassing game. More than the Saints, more than the Rams, 17 point lead, and you let it fall away from you, and you're like, yeah, that's the standard. That's what we're capable of. I don't get it. You get it? Yeah, I get it. Because it was it wasn't like the other blown double digit leads. It wasn't like they only scored a field goal after having that double, you know, 17 point lead or whatever. Mm-hmm. They kept they kept fighting back and forth. Just like they were able to do get three scores in a row without the uh without Kansas City scoring, Kansas City came back and it wasn't like they had a bunch of three and outs. They were moving the ball and like damn, they had a punt. Okay, fine. Okay, we, we moved the ball a little bit. He just this drive didn't work out for us. And then Kansas City scored. And then we get the ball and then we score a field goal. And like we kept going back and forth. And at the end of the game, you know, they had that bomb to Devontae. It's like we were still we were slugging it out with the freaking best team in the league at the time. They were playing the best, right? Mm. So we were slugging it out with the best team in the league. And those are the types of games that, dude, it, it's anyone's game. And it doesn't the, the 17 point lead doesn't matter so much. When right away Kansas City scores and makes it 17-7. Okay, now it's a 10-point lead. Like you had that 17 point. It wasn't like you were up 17 the entire game, you know? And I, I get that we did lose that game, but it was how they lost. It wasn't like, let's say, for example, like Jacksonville. You can pick up, you know, Jacksonville or Arizona or fucking the Rams or the fucking Pittsburgh. Those games where you had those big leads and then you had a fucking half and change of absolutely nothing. Those games are different than what happened in Kansas City. And Kansas City, you lost a slugfest. Maybe you knocked Kansas City down in the first round, but he got up and he was just a slugfest from there on and just happened to lose that one. That's that's the difference between that game and the other games where they lost big leads. That makes me think he was talking to purely offensive players because those defense, <laughs> that defense, the way like the tight end that won't be named got four touchdowns and just like just got ripped apart. Maybe offensively, I can see them say, all right, that was what that's that's what we're capable of. Defensively, like you know who they're going to in the red zone. Doesn't matter. Double team them. Doesn't matter. Like that was bad. I I don't see it. I don't. Um dude, this this super wildcard weekend was pretty fun. There were some great, great games. Other than like the second half of Seahawks Niners. It was basically like super captivating game all the way through. Well, you got a lot of divisional matchups, dude. That's why mm-hmm. these teams, these teams know each other, but it's the non-divisional matchup. That was most entertaining for me. Chargers falling to the Jags 31 to 30. What were they up at? Well, they were up 24 zero at one point, right? They were up 27 zero 27 zero. Trevor Lawrence throws not one, not two, not three, four first-half interceptions. The Chargers' turnover ratio was plus five. And old Brandon Staley found a way to blow a lead that even Josh McDaniels and the Raiders would blush at, and they fall to the Jags. Now, I'm not bringing this up because we get to talk shit on the Chargers. Well, I kind of am. I kind of am. A little bit. It's a little bit there. Dude, that you insulted him so a bad. You, you insulted him a little bit. But just a little bit. You did. It's, it's a little bit. What was that from? Even down in the comments. Um, the loss was so bad. I didn't talk shit to my Charger friends. 
That's how bad me. Like, there's no low blow I won't take on my friends. And True. I was just like, you know what? I put the phone down, Clifford. <laughs> they're they're probably That's almost worse, dude. Dude, it's like you know why? Because you shit talking them would normalize it. It is not yeah. normal. So it's like, eh, I don't even want to shit talk them. Yeah, it's like when, like when you and your chick, like you guys fight all the time, and then you know she's mad but not say anything. You're like, oh god, this is really serious. Like she should be motherfucking me right now, but really, it's just she's just like giving me the silent treatment. Like, okay, she's thinking. That's even worse. I wish she was yelling. But that's how bad. That's how bad this comeback was. Right, falling thirty-one to thirty. Mm. The great news about this is, well, what, what did I say this whole time? I wish that they make it, that the Chargers make it to the playoffs to buy Brandon Staley more time as head coach because he is awful. He's bad, atrocious. And people point to like, like keeping all the starters in in Week 18 when your spot was already solidified. Fucking Mike Williams Mike breaks Williams, his back, dude. can't play. Jesus, dude. And specifically, remember, remember that jet sweep that they did. Where they muffed it because, like, you had the backup of the backup because Mike Williams normally runs that play. I forgot who the backup was. And then that guy got hurt. Palmer. Palmer, yeah. And then the third stringer had to do the jet sweep and he, like, didn't know what the play was and he muffed it, right? And fell apart. If Mike Williams isn't hurt because Brandon Staley doesn't have him play in week 18, that play is probably not a muff and the Jaguars don't get momentum. So we can point specifically to Brandon Staley doing something that you and I know not to do. Don't play your injury-prone starters in pointless games. Brandon Staley did it, and that specific play could have been the turning point for that was the turning point for the Jaguars. It's if it's weird. Mike Williams who's healthy, that never happens. Like we laugh all the time about Brandon Staley, you know, oh, I'm going to go for it on fourth and 11 on our own 20 because the analytics say this and whatever that. That's probably the dumbest thing he's done, which says a lot. Playing it's, his starters and missing out on Mike Williams on plays where you needed him. Dude, it's it's just strange that there's nobody in that building that's able to just kind of like, hey, man, you pull you to the side here. Maybe only play him for a quarter. You know, it's no. just, it's, he, he's, they it's don't, weird. You, you take their pads away. Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Austin. I, Eckler. I, I'm trying to show you as a compromise. Like, yeah. I put them in the game. Okay. But now they, they played a couple series. Not pull them out. That's like, it. Like Brandon, like let's hide their shoulder pads and helmets. They shouldn't be anywhere near. Let's keep them off the field, put them in the stands in case an errant, like throwaway ball hits one of them in the, in the nuts. Like, Wrap them in bubble paper and keep them away from this. It's just weird, like, man. no, they're it's gonna play three and a half quarters. It's just really weird. So stupid. And I thought to myself, damn it. Because I thought for sure Brandon Staley making it to the playoffs means they'll buy a couple more seasons, which is great for the Raiders. I want Brandon Staley to coach the Chargers for the next 50 years. And I thought, okay, great. He's in the playoffs. We're good. And then this happens. And then he blows one of the biggest leads in playoff history. In embarrassing fashion, and I thought, shit. They're gonna can Brandon Staley and get Sean Payton. Like, God damn it. Sean Payton and Justin Herbert on a Justin Herbert rookie contract with this roster. Like, oh God, shoot me now. Lo and behold, the gods have smiled upon us. Brandon Staley will return, and the Chargers just fire offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi. 
thank God the Spanoses are so cheap that they're like, nah, we'll just keep Brandon Staley for another season. I don't feel like interviewing anybody right now. This I don't I don't want to pay I don't want to pay Sean Payton all this money. Yeah. I'm gonna do that. But the thing is worth not that much. I mean the the way I'm looking at it is though, like if he hires Sean Payton and he gives Sean Payton the type of control that he wants, he doesn't he doesn't really need to hire a GM. Mm -hmm. So he's saving money there. There you Um, go. Two for one. right? Right. That was my biggest that was the big thing from this weekend for me of the playoffs when it comes to how it affects the Raiders is thank God Brandon Staley is Brandon staying. And I am <sighs> so happy because all we got to do is wait out Sean Payton. Hopefully Sean Payton gets another, another gig, right? Go to the um, NFC Sean Payton, please yeah, go to the NFC, NFC Sean Payton or, um, and Justin Herbert finishes out his rookie contract, right? One more year on his rookie deal. And mm-hmm. then him and Joe Burrow are going to shatter the quarterback pay scale right and so now they're, they're not gonna be able to afford bosa and mac and eckler and willing like they're not be able to afford this loaded roster anymore because they're gonna be paying justin herbert 50 million dollars a year right mm-hmm. so that this is great news that one more year of brandon staley sucking ass one more year of justin herbert's rookie deal and that window closing and sean payton hopefully getting the con hopefully getting a coaching i don't think he's going to the broncos so hopefully he stays out of the afc west that was the that comeback was the best thing that could have happened to the Raiders. I mean, in hindsight, yes. As it happened, we weren't really that sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now now that we saw that Spanos is not going to part ways with uh, with Staley, then yeah, it was a really great thing to have happen. So where do we go at quarterback now? Um, Derek Carr... Not going to be our quarterback next year. We'll see what we can get for him in trade. Hopefully, we get something in trade. And who's it going to be? Well, the number one thing that everyone's talking about, obviously, is the most famous person, arguably, in sports, Tom Brady. Um, his Tampa Bay Bucks got completely embarrassed by the Dallas Cowboys Monday night. And that all but kind of... S- he's a free agent now. Right. Once the season's over, he's a free agent. So everyone's kind of trying to gauge where does Tom Brady go now? What does Tom Brady do next? Mm-hmm. Here's the last 30 seconds of his post game presser on Monday. Yeah, it just feels like the end of the season. So uh, I just want to say thank you guys for everything that you do. I really appreciate all your effort. You know, I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through. And you guys got a tough job. And I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support. And, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be. And thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars. And um, just very grateful for the respect. And I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Smiles. Gracious. <laughs> eye contact. That's not the Tom Brady after a loss that I remember. But that, uh, that sounded like a goodbye to me. It surely did, man. It, it just seemed like he was well aware of the fact that this more than likely is the end of the road for him. Uh, I don't know, man. I Honestly, the more I'm thinking about it, I think that him coming to the Raiders is probably a little bit more of a pipe dream than anything else. Yeah. Uh, just, did, did that sound like a goodbye to football or a goodbye to the Bucks? I think it was both because honestly, um, 
like we were talking about last week, right? He's, he's like Tom Brady's like the old chick at the bar. She used to be super hot in her 20s. She was pretty hot in her 30s. Now she's in her mid-40s and she's not that hot anymore. And she has to settle she's had for more mid- work done at Mill for Tom Brady. Ooh, Tom Brady for sure. <laughs> uh that jaw is, is looking robust. Right. But the thing is, it's like Tampa was the perfect landing spot for Tom Brady. Yeah. He had a coach that's different from Belichick, but it was still a good coach. You have a, a good offensive line a really good defense, and a lot of weapons. They were just a like literally just a quarterback away, right? Yeah. They're like this, this the, the current uh, 49ers, right? Like that's that's how they were built. They were a great team just with no quarterback. Slide a quarterback in there, plug and play, there you go, right? In a no-income tax state. It just gets right. better and better. Right? So, But the thing is, it's like that, that's, there's not that situation here. Now, last week I said, okay, well, there's not a perfect situation, so he's going to pick from the best of what's left over. Ha-ha. He didn't have to pick anything. And and after hearing that, it makes me sound like he's probably leading towards not playing. That definitely sounded like like a, a goodbye to Tampa Bay through the media. It's like, because he was like looking at the media, he was kind of talking to them. It's like, hey, you know, media guys, you know, say la vie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm less confident that that's a goodbye to football in general. Um. He's no different this season than the last few seasons, other than obviously winning the Super Bowl, right? But like after the Pats, this feels kind of the same to me. Like, ugh, that didn't go well. Let's let's find some greener pastures. And again, like an 80% Tom Brady, still a top 10 quarterback. Like when he has time, when he has time, he's a top five quarterback. Now a lot of quarterbacks are really good when they're not running for their lives, but, mm-hmm. and he's off and he's probably a bottom five quarterback without time. So um, that's, that's no small factor, but when he's got time, he's still a hell of a quarterback. I don't think he's done, but I'm with you. That I don't think he goes to the Raiders for all the reasons you brought up. Like he's, he's a front runner. Like he's only played with amazing defenses, brilliant coaches, uh, tons of weapons, great O lines in the Raiders. He's got one of those things, great weapons, O lines in shambles. It'd be by far the worst defense he's ever played with. Like not even close, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I think the Jets make so much more sense for him. Like there, that's that is a that is a quarterback away team from being really successful. The Jets. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't discount. I mean, I've been hearing San Francisco again a lot because he's from the area, and yeah, you know, maybe a little bit more. I mean, Brock Purdy's playing really well. And it's not like he's sticking up on anybody right now. He 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 played against us and he played really well against us. The Niners for sure would take Tom Brady though. Like even if even if Purdy wins the Super Bowl and but Tom Brady says, like, hey, I want to I want to play for the Niners, they take him. And that would almost be great for Purdy. Like imagine taking one year of just learning under Brady and then taking the reins again. Mm-hmm. It's pretty that's a pretty sweet deal if you're Purdy. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of places where you can go, but it has to be that type of situation. Yeah, and if there wasn't, if there was, let's say the Jets were pleased with their quarterback situation and they, and that's what they wanted to do moving forward, and Tom Brady didn't have that landing spot, mm-hmm. I think I, I, I would, I would, I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily class it as front runner, but he knows he doesn't have time to build something, so he needs to have something that's ready to go, uh, and um, yeah, it just doesn't seem likely to come to. 
Carolina or the or the Raiders or New Orleans, stuff like that. Like it just doesn't seem likely. I think it's Pats or Jets. I think I think maybe going back to the Pats one more time. Like, dude, there's no New weapons England's there either. <laughs> they they could they could get some weapons though, right? Like if they're like, hey, Tom Brady's coming to town. Like, how easy would it be to trade for some like some studs? You know what I mean? All right. I mean, you only have so much money, dude, and he's got a lot of money tied in that defense. Yeah. And that's why that's why he left. Because I mean, well, how, how did they get better weapons wise since Tom Brady left? They have it. <laughs> you know, they. they well, he Belichick went on that spending spree last season. It just didn't turn into like a lot, right? Nelson Aguilar, a couple tight ends. I mean, it's better than it's better than when Brady was there. Not amazing, but definitely better. Well, Brady had Gronk, Brady had Edelman. Um, the running game was about the same. I mean, I wouldn't say it was it's better. It, it's different, but I mean, Brady still had some weapons, just not enough. Yeah. Brady, some what winbacks? Sure, why not? Juan Avalos. Too many Juans in this world. Avalos. But Mark Davis doesn't get ticket revenue per se. He made the money up front with private uh, private seat licenses. PSL holders are trying to recoup their money, especially when team is trash. So this is the video I did on Mark Davis talking about how mad he is that uh, the fan the stands are full of away away players, right? And it's like, and my thing was like, for those who didn't see it, I'm like, I don't think Mark Davis is that pissed. Like he's getting a ton of money from that stadium and people filling it up. The counter to that is, well, he doesn't get money from, you know, he gets the money from the PSLs up front. Like that's true. But the ticket revenue for NFL stadiums is about 60, 40, what you get versus what goes to the league and distributed. I think, I, I think it's like 60, you keep 40, you redistribute, but you get a hundred percent of concessions, parking, parking, VIP souvenirs, all that merchandise, beers, like all that shit. Like it is a small, it is a, it is a NFL stadiums are mid-sized American cities, 60, 70, 80,000 people. Like those are ecosystems mm -hmm. and you're not poor. If you're going to an NFL football game. Like, so I was, got cash. I, yeah, I was invited to this, uh, this Twitter group just mm -hmm. to you know, talk Raiders or whatever. And I, and I hopped on and, um, this guy was like, yeah, man, I, for, I forgot. I, I don't have his name on me right now. It's my bad. But he's like, yeah, I, I went to uh, a Raider game and for two beers and two burgers was $72. I don't doubt it. I was like, man, well, you know, what are you going to yeah. do? It's not, I'm it's sure not, it was not, a, not a, a NFL, it's beef fucking, burger, yeah, fine I, imported Belgian. I'm sure it was just a regular old <laughs> burger, bro. I mean, it was just a regular old burger. It was, it regular was old Miller craft, High Life. Craft warm. single on top. In a, in a souvenir cup. I'm telling you, like, I don't think Mark Davis is all that pissed that the stadium is full of away. I'm sure he would prefer it the other way, but he's making so much money from that stadium and the fans being in there. And the reason why that, and the reason why, like, he's able to charge such really high PSLs and really high season ticket prices is because the secondary market supports it. And Raider fans are like, yeah, I'll buy season tickets, but if a Niner fan wants to give me 500 bucks for my seats and I paid 300, I'm doing it. And they can, and he can do that because so many away teams come in there. So there's this, there's this argument of like, well, you know, Mark David doesn't make money from that. He doesn't care. Yeah, he does. Like all the second markets, all, all that PSL money, all the season ticket prices, all that a hundred dollars for parking, 70 something bucks for two beers and two burgers. It's all supported because there's all these away fans coming into the stadium. 
I mean, it's feasible. Now that I think about it, like you pay 20 bucks for a burger, right? Probably give you a burger and a little bag of chips, right? And then 16 bucks for a beer. We, those those are prices that we've seen that are like obscene. So yeah, I can see it's 72 bucks. It's it's a it's it's sad Soto that that's not an obscene price. It's we've crazy. Been, we've been gouged so many times by like concerts, stadiums, concerts are the worst. Festivals, man. you're just like just concerts are the just worst. like you're just like you're just like hey Bender, just just please spit on it first before you shove it in, please. They're like no, we're not gonna like okay, fine, here you go, dude. My 40, 40 bucks for this fucking or sixty bucks for this tour T-shirt. Is this a Gildan T-shirt? This just gonna shrink into a crop top the first time it sees water. It's fucking crazy. I'm like sixty dollars for this fucking shirt. That's why the most satisfying thing I do in my life that probably says a lot about my life, like the best I feel is when I sneak in booze to places that try to shaft you to buy a beer. Bro, like, look. Half the reason I wear cowboy boots is because the 350 milliliter liquor bottles you buy at liquor stores it fits perfectly in the side of your cowboy boot. And you can walk right in, right through metal detectors, patting you down. They never like feel your boot. And then bam, you have 350 milliliters of whiskey and you're good for three and a half hour football game or a concert or whatever. And you don't spend a dime. I'm telling you, like I count, this is how like dad I am. I count like one swig, like, all right, that would have cost me seven bucks. Bigger swig. That would have been a $10 swig here. Instead, it's all for the $7.99. You're such a fucking tightwad, dude. Oh, dude. So look, so satisfying. It's it's my double bird to the man. Feels so so good. The only thing I miss about my ex-wife is the (laughs) is is the fact that she had ginormous tits. Now I don't miss the tits. I miss the fact that she could hide those same bottles on the sides of her bra and in the Mm. middle. She could fit four. Those are how big her tits were. And yep. we could go to Dodger Stadium, and we were getting fucked up. Let me get a fucking Sprite, drink a little about a third of it down, and fill the rest of it up with whatever we have. And yep. we were having a great time all fucking And day. that's the big 350. Like, even if you don't, like, you can fit seven of those little, like, two-ounce shooters that shots, you can buy yeah, at liquor stores. Are, like, yeah. little shots. You can fit. They're plastic. They got everywhere. plastic caps. You're good to go. There was a Man. liquor store around the corner from the place that I lived at in Huntington Beach from when I was, like, 18 to, like, 24. And they sold those the same amount, those shooters, but they were basically in like Tubes, ketchup right? packets. No, no, no like ketchup, ketchup packets. packets. Wow, that's good. Yeah, they're just little like like Capri Suns, but they were only they were still the two ounces, and they were mm-hmm. ninety nine cents each. Like those aren't those are just like squishy like ketchup packets. You could shove a hundred of those on your person and your never ass, get caught. At least fifty of them. <laughs> I could fit twenty of them under my hat. Like those, like I was like, oh, what a <sighs> genius, genius move. I would when I, back when I surfed, I would put a couple of those in my wetsuit and just like as I'm surfing, just like choop, little shot as I'm surfing. Like those things were great. I uh Buy a Dios. <laughs> <laughs> me and uh me and two buddies snuck uh a 30 pack into a movie theater one time. How the fuck did you do that? I'm very glad you asked, Soto. So we both we all wore like big hoodies, like a big like the big hoodie, right? And, and cargo pants. This was like 12 years ago. Or didn't I've, I've done the cargo pants thing, yeah. yeah. So you go two beers in each cargo short. You go a beer in each front pocket, a beer in each back pocket, four beers in the hoodie, like pouch in your, like where you put your hands, like the warm pouch in front. Yeah, that's already 12. And uh, and you can fit, and we can fit one more in the back of, uh, yeah. in the hood. 
And also, you're going to a movie theater where it's like 19 year olds working there that don't give a shit. So you don't have to like, you don't have to hide it that well. Like, if they even cared, they probably could have found Dude, it. But you know, what was the best that old, that old Super Saver in Seal Beach? Mm -hmm. It was like two dollars, and yeah. you got to see like a, a, the the movies that were like just taken away from the movie theater. And so hot like dogs were like a buck. Everything was so cheap, and it's Great. like, dude, they paid nothing for these movies because they were already taking off of like the first run. So yeah, you can get a blockbuster. Like, yeah, it's like let's go to the movie theater and play two bucks. It's like blockbuster when the when they're out in blockbuster, they're like the first week that they're out or first month or whatever. They're like that's a five dollar rental because it's like so new. Like oh, I got two bucks and I watch it with my feet up with a fucking great sound system, a dollar hot dog. Ah, I missed that place. That's the only thing I miss about movies is sneaking booze in because they they sh they were the first ones to really shaft you like bef like before concerts got out of control God damn. before football stadiums got out of control it was the movie theaters they're like oh yeah so that's 700 percent markup for freaking popcorn you're like yep. you gotta be shitting me like, how much for that pack of twizzlers eight dollars like for that pack that's 12 cents worth of popcorn that gallon bag is 12 cents worth of popcorn Oh, yippee, you gave me jalapeno-flavored butter. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Turner would rather lose without Brady than win with him. I wonder how oh, much of Raider Shane, Nation feels Shane, that way. Shane, 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 I really wonder how much of Raider Nation feels that way. Our boy Rory feels that way. Uh, yeah, and I told him the same thing. Look, man, do you want to fucking win or not? I don't care if we have a freaking trained gorilla out there at quarterback. As long as we win... I'm good. You can not want something to happen, but once it does, you don't got to like it, but learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. Woo, Rick Flair. So I'm saying like, yeah, I, ne I don't necessarily want Tom Brady on our team, but if he helps us win and he make he's that bridge to the next quarterback that's going to help us win even more in the future, then you know what? It, the what is it? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know, yeah. put them on the team and see what happens. We were talking about earlier about Josh McDaniel's style of coaching, like the superstars. It seemed to have worked with the rank and file. It obviously didn't. If you could pick any single player, any human being on planet earth to play for the Raiders, who can be that bridge from Josh McDaniel's to the rank and file. It's Tom Brady. Yeah, it's Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. Like he has, He'll have the obviously the ultimate respect from everybody. He'll vouch for Josh McDaniels. Be like, okay, like the like, all right, Josh McDaniels thing maybe doesn't work for most of you. So listen to Tom. Tom does. Tom listens to Josh. He's buying in. That's like he could be that missing link that we didn't have this season. Like, yeah, it clicks with the superstars, doesn't click with the other 49, 50 players. But if Tom Brady's there, he's been told, like, right, like again. I love shitting on Tom Brady as much as the next Raider fan. I'm gonna have to come up with a new nickname instead of Tuck Rule Tommy if he, if he becomes a Raider. But I've been told he's the ultimate teammate, and he's the guy that can take Josh McDaniels. Only works on some team. Only works on some player's style of coaching, and have it translate to the rank and file. Bro, all that needs to happen is Tom Brady, if he's there, needs to just stand up and be like, you know what, guys. You know what this is? This is what winning looks like. This is what winning championships look like. If you don't like it, if you can't take it, then you're not a championship There's player and leave now. Don't waste any of our time. Don't give a fuck who you are. Get your shit and leave now. But because this is what winning looks like. And I and I think I think 
the star players or the play. I mean, again, we don't know who it was, but the way they were described, you kind of felt, you know, it was Max and Josh and Devonte and maybe a couple other guys. Well, the ones that in. were producing, like, like, like if if it's working, like if you're happy with what's going on, that's mean you're producing, and those are the guys that were producing. And you're able to, you're able to, you're able to take the message from the 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 presentation you're able to take the message out okay yeah do i like being called out in front of my teammates no do i understand that it's for my own good yes do i understand where he's coming from that it's not personal he's not trying to slight me as a person as a player he's trying to get the best out of me because he knows i can be better okay fine i can pull this out for and yes it did make me better because i did focus more i did prepare more i did care more you know it's it's it all again. It, that's why it's so tough about this dynamic. I understand both sides because I've been on both sides. I've been that guy that was told I had to be that hard ass, and it didn't work. And that's partially why my first big boy job when I was, you know, leading a team, it, it didn't work out that well because I, I was kind of given the advice to be someone that I'm not. And when I started now, I mean, nowadays I, I'm a lot more. I wouldn't say relaxed, but I'm a lot more. I mean, smoother with the delivery to be able to like get what I want to get across and get the end result that I want and be a little bit more patient about it. I think that's one thing. And, and I understand that you really can't have that kind of patience when you're coaching somebody to not fuck up, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it, I don't know, man. Hopefully he does learn from this, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going to change too much. If if just Carr sucked ass this season, I'd be like, all right, Carr just didn't get it. It's not working. Get out of here. But when 50 of the 53 players all played worse, it's like, okay, it's something bigger going on here. Something has to change. Either the mm -hmm. personnel, coaching style, or you bring in a catalyst. Yeah. And I'd hate to, I hate to admit it, but who's the, if that, if the third option is out there, who's the best guy to be that catalyst? Fucking yeah. Fucking Tommy. Well, also again, you, you, you give one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is if we had, if we didn't have those second half collapses, would we have given up all the points that we did in those second halves? If we were able to sustain drives, if we were able to score more points, would we have had that defense back out there over and over again? It was already not a great defense, but also now not great defense that's tired and worn down. Yeah, they're going to give up points. So it's like there's two sides of that, and it all depends on your perspective is whose side you're on. If you're on Derek Carr side, it's like, dude, everyone else played bad. It's not just Derek Carr. If you're more on like, you know, Derek Carr had the go side, it's like, well, dude, Derek Carr wasn't helping us out any because he was fucking up, which is, you know, he did. But again, how does that affect how does that affect the defense? You know, and we saw it in the Charger game. Dude, did the Chargers need to score again the last time they had the ball? No. Just get a first down or two. Just just you don't have to, you know, try to throw the ball, but get a first down or two, run some clock, and they wouldn't be able to, you know, the Jaguars wouldn't have been able to come back. And that's Part of football, too, is knowing when and, and situational football. And we didn't play good situational football in the second half of a lot of those games. Again, whose fault it was, I'm not here to say that. But there's two sides of that coin where it's like, yeah, a lot of the defense didn't play great, but they were also put in bad positions, too. London Raider, you two went to college? Fuck me. No wonder America is such a mess. Now, in fairness to America... We are both products of the California state education system, which is one of the worst in America. <laughs> yeah. I actually have two degrees. If you could believe that I went, I went to nothing but state, you know, public middle school, public high school, a state junior college and a state college. I am, I am a product of the California education system. I, I think it's more, I think it's less you're a product and more you survived it. Like, 
You know how there's like uh, no bullet holes, no stab wounds. Right? Good. You know how there's like no rape cases, like, like swimming coaches, right? Some of them are like, all right, this is how you like. Let's let's put you in a position to succeed. Let's give you the tools to excel. That's what real schools and real states and real colleges do. In California, they're like, all right, here's a forty five pound weight. We're gonna tie it to your back, yeah. and you're gonna have to learn to swim. Get to the yeah. get to the other side of the pool. That's the without, California without, education system. We're just without, not going to teach you anything and hope you survive. Without getting molested by another student or a teacher. Right. You know, you'd have to, you didn't have to freaking make a rape charge on anybody. Do you know that I'm one, I was one class shy of getting my history degree? Yeah. You should just one do class. it. Fuck it. Why? Why not? Just say, just, just Why? to freaking personal achievement. No point. I've never in my life, in any resume, in any of the, 10, 15 jobs I've had since I graduated or not graduated, left school. This fucking guy, he already forgot you didn't graduate. Left school. I've never been asked like, hey, do you have a college degree? Never once. Never needed it. Never, no one cared. Like, can you produce and do the job? Yeah. Okay. That's all. Well, all right. All right. Well, that's it for us. Um, I'll try it. Maybe we'll wrangle something up while I'm in uh, in the deep jungles of Brazil. Tio um, de Chanel. Because we're done a little early, I'm wondering if we should start doing some um, some weekend stuff anyway, right? Because we don't have post game shows anymore, and this started off as a one week podcast, but we're making so much extra stuff on YouTube anyway. Maybe we'll maybe we'll add another pod midweek. Uh, maybe I'll throw, maybe I'll jump on one of these nights and get silly with you guys. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do a nice mix. We'll still incorporate some lives. Um, we'll still keep doing some shorts. But the long form is, I think, the bread and butter. I think that's what... Um, Baby, I'm a butter your bread. Most of y'all did. But until then, knock on wood if you're with me.